The following is produced by Artisan Church. Welcome to the Artisan Church Podcast, a weekly broadcast of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. To learn more about Artisan Church or to support the ministry, visit www.artisanchurch.com. So today we are starting a series based on some of the most popular and intriguing and sometimes confusing teachings of Jesus, the parables. And from now until I think we, we go through August 15th with this series, we'll be looking at these parables. And if you don't know what a parable is, it's very simply just a, a story with a moral. It's, a, it's kind of a moral story. And uh, it's interesting that the word parable comes from the same Greek root that gives us the word parabola. Math nerds know what a parabola is, right? It's the thing that goes like this, right? It simply means setting two things side by side, right? And somebody in the room will know what the mathematical equation is that gives us the parabolic graph. What is it? Y equals X squared. See, that's what I love about Arson. I... I, (laughs) And somebody else can name me 15 Renaissance painters, like, without thinking about it. (laughs) It's great. Uh, I can't do either, but... (laughs) Um, Yeah, a a parabola just sets two things next to each other. You can kind of think about that graph coming down. So a parable is is very much like a simile, right? And, And in many cases, it takes the form, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like... What are some of the things he says it's like? A mustard seed. What else? What's that? Yeah, I, yeah, the, guy, the rich man in the eye of the needle, yep. There's lots of those things. The kingdom of heaven is like this or that. And for our first parable in this series, it's, um, it's, it's very short, even for a parable. Now, parables don't tend to go on forever. They're the best kind of sermons. Um, <laughs> But this one is actually shorter than average, even for a parable. It just takes one verse to get it out. Um, and so I had to fill the time somehow. So I, I figured I'd tell you what, what happens before that, but actually it does matter in this case. Uh, maybe even more than it usual, usually matters. So Jesus has been teaching the crowds, and he's been using the parables. In fact, the, Matthew, the author of the gospel that we'll be looking at today, says that without a parable, he told them nothing. So it's story after story, story after story, and comparison after comparison. And one of the parables he tells is about a man who uh, plants some wheat in a field, and then at night his enemy comes in and plants weeds alongside. And then and, um, and he says how the man decided to deal with that when the wheat started to grow, and the weeds grew up with it. And um, So after he's told many parables, including that one, he, as is Jesus' custom, sort of retreats to a more um, intimate setting with, with just a few of his disciples inside a house. And his disciples say to him, Jesus, tell us, what, what did that parable about the wheat and the weeds mean? And you can kind of imagine them saying, I mean, I know, but... 
for John's sake. Could you just explain what that parable meant? It's a very common thing for them to ask Jesus. (laughs) And so he explains what the parable means, and I won't go into that one because that's not our parable for the day. But he explains it, and no sooner is he done explaining it that he begins to tell this smaller group of people even more parables. And then after he's done that, he says to them the most important question that Jesus asks people, and, and maybe he's asking us this question from time to, to, time to time as well. He says, have you understood all this? And of course their answer is, yes. But I can, I can sort of hear a little bit of a quiver in that, yes. <laughs> have you understood all this? And they kind of look at each other. And nobody wants to say no. But they say yes. And then he says, and this is the the parable, the the last parable in this little um, series of stories. And if you want to read it along, it's on 795 in your red Bibles. Uh, And it's Matthew 13, 51. Have you understood all this? They answered yes. And then he said to them, therefore, uh or a favorite word, therefore, Every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. When Jesus had finished these parables, he left that place. So that's our parable for the day. Every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And then he says, peace, I'm out of here. Well, so if you're looking at that parable and trying to figure out what it might mean for for the disciples and then for us, the first question you might have is, what's the deal with the scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven? Who's the scribe and what is the scribe? Well, the scribe is, for our purposes, simply just a student of God. And I think that all of us ought to consider ourselves scribes who've been trained for the kingdom of heaven. Uh, it was a particular role in the, in the synagogue um, and in the, in the acts of Jewish worship. And in fact, later in the book of Matthew and in the Gospels, you find Jesus um, really going after the scribes because they're supposed to know all the details of the law, and they did, and yet they didn't really live it out in any meaningful way. And so, in Matthew 23, you have this series of seven woes, not woes like Keanu Reeves' woes, <laughs> but woes like woe, W-O-E, I know my letters really well. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Seven different times, he calls them whitewashed tombs. He tells them that they're straining at a gnat to swallow a camel. Um, he calls them blind guides and just really goes after them. But it's important to remember that and something we do this with Pharisees too. The Pharisees just another class of Jewish religious leader um, and at the time they were not living out the teachings that they were so uh, strongly holding everyone else to and so Jesus goes after them a lot. But neither scribes nor Pharisees are innately bad or evil. And so when, when we're talking about ourselves as a scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven, 
That doesn't necessarily lump us in with the group that Jesus was woeing at later on in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean we're not either, so to be a little careful there. But not all scribes or Pharisees are evil by nature. And certainly for today's parable, the scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven is held in high esteem. And so, now that we've figured out who the scribe is, we have to figure out what this new and old treasures thing means. Every scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Well, I, I would like to propose for us this morning three basic levels of meaning for what this new and old treasures concept means. I'll start with the most obvious and most basic, and then we'll progressively get a little bit more um, metaphorical in our application, but I think all of it fits. I think at the most basic level of, of meaning, Jesus is saying that everyone who wants to follow God and everyone who wants to be part of the kingdom of heaven has to be aware of and following both the ancient teachings of the Jewish law, the Torah, and also this new stuff that Jesus is putting out there. You've got these, this old treasure that all the Jews would have definitely considered a treasure and regarded in the highest esteem. The books of Moses, the Mosaic Law, their guide for how to be in right relationship with God and with each other. That's the old treasure that I think on the face of it Jesus is talking about. And yet he's also saying the reality has changed. The Son of Man is here among you. And so you need to listen to what I'm saying as well. And when, when you let this story, this narrative of the gospel play out, you see that just following that old treasure to the letter is not actually enough. In fact, it misses the point altogether. And so Jesus presents a new way of approaching God. So that's the most basic level of meaning. And I would say that the, the next level of meaning is something that I would like to apply to artisan in general. Those of you who have taken our membership course, and some of the others of you who've just heard us talk about this idea, are, you may be aware that we have what we like to call an image statement, right? Now, we have a mission statement as a church, and as I always say in the Journey Together membership class, the mission statement is the thing that you put in clear plastic and, like, mount on the wall or something. We, we love our mission statement, encounter God, embrace people, and engage culture in the way of Jesus, and that very clearly distills who we are. But we're also a, an image-driven kind of culture, and so we present an image statement in our Journey Together class as well to help people understand about uh, or w understand what we're about. And our image statement it goes like this, and I'll explain this, but um, ancient paths, new shoes, journey together. Everybody, is this familiar to anybody? Have you heard this, these words before? Yeah. Ancient paths, new shoes, journey together. What on earth does this mean? Well, we have a couple of Bible verses that help understand what it means, but 
we'll, we'll need to unpack it a little bit more too. The ancient paths verse or, or, or phrase comes from a verse in the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah 6.16 goes like this. Thus says the Lord, stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Ancient paths. So we are trying to convey with that image the idea that the faith that we share, the faith that we come around and center on here at Artisan goes way, way, way back. It predates us by a lot. And so at Artisan, we try to be cognizant of and hear the words of those ancient paths, whether it's uh, readings from the early church, People did actually write stuff down about God before 1950. <laughs> and sometimes we actually pay attention to that. Certainly the, the story of Scripture is the, the big, wide, ancient path. Uh, and our faith extends not only to the beginning of Christendom, but back through the Jewish faith. Uh, we are Abrahamic people. And so at we really love to emphasize this rootedness. In fact, roots is one of our five values, ancient paths. And at the same time, on those ancient paths, we use this next funny little image metaphor of new shoes. And our Bible verse to, to explain that one is, is uh, from Luke. And in fact, it's kind of a, another little parabolic thing that Jesus says. He says, no one tears a piece from a new garment and sews it on an old garment. Otherwise, the new will be torn, and the piece from the new will not match the old. You know, because uh, the garments shrink differently when they're new and when they're old, right? That's why we buy pre-shrunk cotton, but they didn't have that at the time. So you can't put new fabric on old fabric and then wash it and not expect it to, to shrink and pull a hole into the, uh, the old garment. Furthermore, he says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. Uh, the fermentation process causes gas to ex expand the container, right? And if you have a, an animal skin that you're storing wine in, it's okay to put new wine into a, a, a new animal skin because the skin is stretchy, right? <laughs> you're not, please don't make a wine ball out of me, but, you know, your skin is stretchy. And so th this... This simply means that when you put new wine into a skin that's already been stretched to its capacity, the, the wine is going to ferment and the gas is going to cause it to expand and it's going to burst and you're going to ruin everything. So this goes to that new treasure idea. That while we're walking these ancient paths, we, we wear new shoes. You know, We've got to find fresh ways to come at this ancient faith. That's why we, you know, use electric guitars as, a, as one silly example. This one's particularly silly because it's left-handed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mike is gesturing at me from the... He's just making this. It's not the gesture, you think. But, um, so, although we are walking an ancient path, 
we do so in contemporary ways, right? And we apply this ancient truth to a very different culture, modern slash postmodern culture. We still follow the same faith, but we express it in different ways sometimes. And then the idea of Journey Together is fairly clear. Not only is it the name of our membership class, but we do this together in community with each other. That has nothing to do with the parable, though, so we'll forget each other for a second. Ancient paths, new shoes. Old treasures and new treasures. So this is what Jesus is saying. And I think he says this not only to his disciples who are right in front of him, but to all of us who are his disciples too. To all of us who would be wise householders. To all of us who would be scribes who are trained in the kingdom of heaven. He would say, you need to take from your stores the treasures that are old and the treasures that are new. Walk the ancient paths but wear new shoes. New wine for new wineskins. So that's the, the second layer of meaning that I wanted to pull out of that parable for us today. And the third level of meaning is very specific to us right now. And it, this one is somewhat more metaphorical. I, don't, I certainly would not uh, pretend that, that Jesus had this exact thing in mind when he said this, but I think we can apply it this way. For us here at Artisan, we are, um, we are ODing on new wineskins at the moment. Would anybody agree with that? Somebody, <laughs> I think I just heard that, somebody, I heard that somebody said, man, I really love Artisan, but guys are changing everything. <laughs> All at once. And there may be a sense among some of us, and, you know, I'm supposed to be the one who has the, the, the real clue around here, and it's true for me, that so much change all at once can be a little bit overwhelming. And if this is your first time here, the whole thing is 100% brand new anyway, so, you know, you're like, what's different? But <laughs> besides everything. But for those of us who've been here a long time, uh, we're undergoing some pretty significant changes. Uh, the fact that we're all here in this room together at 10 a.m., or, or we were pretty close anyway, is a big change for us. Uh, prior to last week, we had a 10 a.m. service and a 5 p.m. service. And for, for many of you in the room right now, you've been accustomed to going to church at 5 p.m., for a long time, and so to come here in the morning is a big change. Um, I'm very glad to see that you made it. Uh, but that's, that's new. <laughs> that's a new treasure. <laughs> yeah. And you may be thinking, that's not exactly a treasure. <laughs> Obviously, we're, uh, we're about to undergo a, a major staffing change on the pastoral staff, with Jason and his family moving uh, at the end of this month, Jason's uh, tenure here as a pastor will be coming to a close. And that means a new changed role for me and the way that we interact with each other and a new changed role for Mike and how he and I work together and how you talk to us and, and all that stuff. We've just finished up this Journey Together 2 class, the, the, the sequel to our membership class where we 
talk about how we can all find ways uh, to serve that are fulfilling and appropriate to the, the people that God made us to be. And those of you who are in that class, um, we had a very positive response from that. And, and, but the end result of it is that we have a lot of new ministry teams that are about to get underway here. And so the way th- all kinds of stuff gets done is going to change. And so it's new treasure after new treasure after new treasure. And sometimes we just want to be like, can I please have my old treasure back? On one level, I would say that that what Jesus described is actually just the way the world works. So you may wish for a place where change never happens, but that the world is not like that. You can call it entropy uh, if you're inclined toward a purely scientific explanation. You can look to Jesus' parable and, and his teachings about new wineskins and all the rest of it if you want to be more spiritual about it. I'm inclined to say that both are true, so that both are true. So that's, on one level, the reality that, we, that we're faced with, that that the, the only constant is change, to use the cliche. But at the same time, oh, and I, I, I wrote this down here um, when we were singing the song Abide With Me, and the, the last verse that Bethany sings, or the second to last verse, is the, is the one that I'd never actually sung before, but there's a line in there that says, change and decay all around I see. Thou changest not, abide with me. And I, I had to write that down because it was exactly the point that I wanted to make when we get to this part of the sermon. Because although the change and decay are unavoidable, I think there is that old treasure, the ancient paths of our faith proper, but also as ancient as our paths here at Artisan get, which is about five or six years, that we can hold on to. And in fact, the old and established treasures are the things that I think will draw us together and keep us close to one another while we're going through, and especially while we're going through, so much change on an institutional level. And I've, I've shared with some of you in various settings, but I'll, I'll share it again here, what my sense of personal pastoral calling here at Artisan is. The first thing, I think, is to know God and make Him known. And so my hope is that as we go through this summer and, and set sail together on a, a kind of a new stage of life at Artisan, that we would know God that I would know God and and that we would know God together. I've quoted to you before many times the the wonderful Eugene Peterson definition of church. And I can't quote it verbatim, but he essentially says, the biblical fact is that there are no perfect churches. There are instead communities of sinners. And that's all of you, like I like to say. (laughs) 
<laughs> gathered together by the Holy Spirit into their churches on Sundays to worship. And in these communities of sinners, one of the sinners is called pastor. <laughs> that's me. Um, and that's Mike. And for a little while longer, that's Jason. And designated a special task within the community. What is that task to be? To be the coolest, hippest, most visible, best marketing dude around? No. The pastor's special task is to turn the people's attention to God. And so during this time of, of change, and some people might say a little bit of turmoil, that's, that's the calling that I'm clinging to. And so if you find me down in my office, like tapping away emails and uh, doing a lot of business stuff and assembling stuff, you need to say, are you actually turning my attention to God right now? And I'll probably get mad at you and say, well, how dare you ask me that question? And then I'll say, oh, sorry. No, I'm probably not. <laughs> and the other component of, of what I see and what I really have, and I don't, you guys know me, I don't tend to say this kind of thing lightly, but what I really think God is specifically telling me to do is to call us back to our values. Now, it's not like we've wandered far from our five core biblical values, but those are anchors for us. Awe, beauty, roots, community, and justice. Now, when we founded this church half a decade ago, those were the things that we felt God was calling us to focus on. And so when our heads are spinning a little bit like they might be right now, and we're thinking, what on earth does God want us to do? I think the answer is already intact. <laughs> I think it's our almost ancient path, <laughs> our five-year-old ancient path. Our, our kind of old treasure <laughs> that has just barely been around long enough to collect some dust. The five values that God has called us to as artisan church. Awe, beauty, roots, community, and justice. And it's that core that I think we ought to cling to. That's our old treasure. I'm joking about the fact that it's not very old, but I mean, the, the sources that generated it are pretty old. And for us, it's the oldest thing we've got. And so there's a lot of new treasure flying around the room these days. And you know, in spite of the, the challenges and, and sadness that comes with some of those things, I actually do think they are new treasures. I think it's a treasure to all be together. I think it's a treasure for artisan that we have uh, a a new arrangement on the pastoral staff that, that will provide for a little bit more focus, sometimes maybe a lot more focus. I think it's a new treasure that Jason is going to be going on to a, a job that, God bless him, he was born to do, being involved with, with overseeing church planting for a whole coast of a very large country. <laughs> yeah, and, st and starting new things every five seconds. That is a new treasure. Certainly it is for, for you. Um, and because we all love you guys, that's a new treasure for us too. So I actually do think these are new treasures, even though, even though they are sometimes a little bit hard. But boy, am I glad we've got some old treasures to hang on to during this time. So uh, 
Let's pray. God, thank you for this great story from Jesus and for the ancient paths and the new shoes. And best of all, that we do journey that path together. Um, And we pray for your help and guidance uh, here at Artisan Church while we're opening some new treasures. Help us to uh, enjoy that and inhabit that new space, but also be called back continually to the old treasures that you've given us through Scripture and tradition, our values and our mission. And thank you for continuing to call us to, the, to be the church that, that you originally called us to be. And we pray that by your grace we would live that out for as long as you give us here to do that. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord, whose help we seek on this journey. Amen. Well, let me shift gears for just a minute. Um, I I mentioned that uh, we journey together on this path. And I've mentioned the membership class a couple of times this morning. And one of the things that we were going to do today was have an official membership Sunday where we recognize all those folks who have uh, renewed their membership for another year or who have um, become members for the first time in the last few months. And uh, the more we thought about that, the more we realized that's probably not the best day to do that. In the middle of summer, after a holiday weekend, people traveling, the room is pretty full, but we still have lots of folks traveling, and, and many of our members aren't here this morning. Um, and I know that there's several of you um, who have been members in the past and intend to be members again, but still haven't done the, the uh, kind of paperwork side of things, and I want to give a chance to do that um, more fully. And what we'll do is, in, instead of doing that officially today, we will uh, probably do that early in the fall. Um, but I do want to recognize the fact that we are journeying together. And um, I, I love the fact that we have a, a membership structure that, that's meaningful and, and I think fairly robust. And that, for those of you who don't know, our, our membership expires after one year. So if you become a member of Artisan Church, it lasts you 12 months, give or take some, depending on when we restart things and, you know, whether or not we decide... Uh, let's do that in the fall instead, or something like that. Um, But I've had lots of good conversations with members over the years, and and most often it's members saying, yes, I'm still here, I'm going to be here for another year, I'd like to become a member again. Uh, Sometimes it's, you know, I need to take a step back for one reason or another. And I think that having that built in is really actually a pretty wonderful thing. Um, And the other thing that we do with uh, membership is each, each member is asked to complete a spiritual formation plan for the coming year. Very simply, what spiritual disciplines he or she will practice and, and attempt in the short term, in the medium term, and in the long term, meaning like this month, in the next six months, and in the next 12 months. And if you've become a member here or a renewed membership here, you know that you've done that. Um, and in the past, we have not always done a great job following up with those, but this time we've made a concerted effort and 
And to my knowledge, everybody who completed a spiritual formation plan and a membership covenant has gotten a follow-up call or email or contact from um, either Mike or me. And if you have completed a spiritual formation plan but have not received that call or email, please, please talk to me because that means there's a glitch in the system and we, we need to fix that. Um, if you haven't received an, a, a call or an email and you're realizing right now, oh, I know why. It's because I didn't do that. That's okay, too. Um, we don't have, uh, you know, there's no deadline, per se, for completing that document. We would love to have you do that soon rather than later. Um, frankly, because the sooner you do that, the more quickly we can begin to have conversations about how things are going in your life and, and what spiritual guidance you might need and all that kind of good stuff. Um, so what, what I've done... Um, is placed uh, copies of that membership covenant and spiritual formation plan on the chair that's at the back of the room under the clock. It goes clock, offering box, chair in the middle back there. And on the chair are printouts of what our spiritual formation plan and membership covenant looks like. And if you have not done that yet, you can certainly take one and do it today and give it back to us. Um, You can also do it online. And if you're just like, what on earth is he talking about? That sounds fascinating. I would like to see that. You can also grab one um, and take a look at it. And if you are more, if it makes you more interested in membership, you can talk to one of us, and we'll give you some more details about that kind of thing. But regardless of whether you are a member at Artisan and have been for five years, as long as we've been around, or this is your first Sunday and you have no connection to any of the people here yet, uh, one thing that we do together every Sunday is take communion. And you certainly do not have to be a member of this particular church in order to take communion. Uh, In fact, anybody who's seeking to follow Jesus um, and has come to this place as part of that uh, is welcome to take communion with us. And um, we have pieces of flatbread and, and both juice and wine, and you can tear a piece of the bread off and dip it in the wine or the juice whatever's more appropriate for you and your family. And um, as I say every time, this is an act of remembrance of Christ's death and resurrection. It's uh, food for your souls. And it's an act of unity together with each other and with the, the global church. Almost all Christians celebrate communion in one way or the other, following Jesus' command. And so when we do it, we are unified with them. And so... We will have our table be open for the rest of our time this morning. We're going to sing some more worship songs together, and so you don't need to feel like you have to get there right away. There will be another 20 minutes or so where you can do that. So it might be better to spend some time in prayer and meditation before you approach the table. Um, But it's open now, and I would invite you to come uh, as soon as God calls you. Uh, Let's continue to worship Him together. This has been the Artisan Church Podcast. To receive future podcasts, go to www.artisanchurch.com slash podcast or subscribe on iTunes. Thank you for listening.